You know what? I um I'm Jamie King, so that means I do some dumb things sometimes. And oh, I just made some serious blunders this morning, and it it really really ticked me off. So when I went to uh, Coles, I was like, okay, I need to get milk, and some milk was there that we usually get, but the other milk wasn't, you know, for the coffee machine. So then I shot off to Woolies, and I didn't get a receipt like uh, I was supposed to, but apparently it doesn't matter. But I was supposed to get money out as well. I didn't do that. So then I went to go and get petrol, and they're like, no, we don't give you money. I was like, okay, so then I went to the ATM, and I left my $20 in the till, and I walked over and sat in the car, and then uh, I was thinking for a couple of minutes, I'm like, something's wrong. What's wrong? And then another guy came along and went to the ATM and used it and then disappeared in his car. And as he was driving off, I was like, oh, no. And then I chased after him and he was like, no, 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 there was no money there. Okay, no worries. So I got really ticked off this morning. But if I really believe what I'm preaching, then it's not going to bother me. Amen. So let's, um, can we turn the, this thing on this, what's it called? Projector. Can we please turn it on? I have this this week. Remember last time I didn't have it and then, yeah. Hallelujah. Okay, so uh, we're going through a series at the moment called Understanding the Gifts. Last week, Pastor Steve touched on the motivational gifts, which has sort of got to do with your personality and the way you feel comfortable serving and ministering. Today, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. Hallelujah. So, as children of God, we have a responsibility to develop our natural and supernatural gifts given in Christ Jesus that we may become a unique and powerful force for transformation in the world. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. There is a parable in Matthew chapter 25. You don't need to turn there or you can if you want. It's in verses 14 to 30. And it talks about the people with the, the servants with the different talents. And the, the master gave to one servant five talents, to one he gave two talents, and to another he gave one talent each according to their ability. And the man with five talents came back and he earned five more and he gave it to his master. The person with two talents came back and brought that back. He, he made another two, so he brought four back. But the person who had one talent, what did he do with it? He buried it. And then he went back to his master and said, sorry, I didn't do anything. Like, that'd make you a little bit angry, don't you think? It'd make me angry. Anyway, let us turn to 1 Peter 2, 9. Now, Steve mentioned this one last week. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Now, this verse has two parts to it. It's a two-part statement. In one part, it gives us our position in Christ, doesn't it? It tells us who we are, and then it tells us what we are supposed to do. How many people know that if you don't know who you are, you're not really going to know what you're supposed to do? We're always trying to search for what we can do without really asking the question, who am I? Who am I in Christ? What does Christ mean to me? So we have an identity problem, but we want to focus on the works. We love doing things so much. So our purpose is to declare the excellencies of God. And uh, I've heard some people say, you know, some people that I get into conversations with, they're like, well, don't you think it's kind of selfish if God just asks us to worship him? Well, actually it's not. I mean, first of all, he does deserve it. But second, when we declare the excellencies of God, we're actually proclaiming them into being here on earth. 
You get what I'm saying? They're prophetic. Revelation 19 says, verse 10, it says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, when we're worshiping God, when we're declaring his goodness, we're declaring all the good things that he has over our lives and over other people as well. We're declaring the kingdom of heaven come to earth. Amen? Okay. Why is this? When we share testimonies, when we worship, when we share testimonies, when we talk about what God has done in our lives, I mean, how many people have stood up here and said something that God has done? Testimonies cause faith to rise in the house, doesn't it? And with faith comes God's faithfulness. So when we respond in faith and we act on faith, God moves. But if we sit back and we don't want to do anything, God's going to be kind of limited with what he does in our lives because we don't actually want him to work. When we choose to have faith in God, when we choose to uh, act on faith in God, that means we're giving God permission to work in our lives. Because if we're choosing not to have faith in God, then we're choosing to have faith in ourselves. That means we're putting ourselves first. That means we're the sole provider of our life and God doesn't really have permission to do much, does he? Faith. I mean, there are two parts to faith. We're all called to have faith in God, aren't we? But then there's faith that says, no, I'm going to stand on this promise. You know, it's, it's like a willful action. Um, sorry, I forgot where I was. Forgive me. Faith declares things. It declares things into being because it trusts God that much. Now, God has already accomplished everything in our lives. It doesn't quite feel like it. The Bible says that we're free. It says it in so many different places, but I mean, how often do we actually feel free? We quite often don't, do we? Quite often we feel like we're in prison. But if we can wrap our head around the concept that God already has accomplished everything, that Jesus Christ has already done everything, and that we already are free spiritually, mentally, and physically, then we have reason to be thankful, even though sometimes we don't feel it. In fact, especially when we don't feel it, it's in those times that we need to be thankful. Because you know what? Thankfulness and the truths of God, the promises of God, it's what sets us free from things. Because thankfulness opens us up to experience freedom. Because it's saying, God, I choose to trust in you instead of myself. Thankfulness says it's already done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit real with you today. I've never really spoken about this to, to many people, only... You know, some people in my life know. Everyone in here has had some sort of vice on their life. Am I right? Everybody in here has had something that they battle with. Everybody has had something that they've always struggled with and they don't want it, but they keep turning back to it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mine, when I was younger, um, I got exposed to pornography when I was seven years old. I was in year one. Like I was a little kid. And I had no idea what I was doing, but it became a vice in my life. It became a serious problem. And I can't tell you how many times I said, you know, or, or, or how badly I hated myself. 
I can't tell you how many times I thought of suicide because of it. I can't tell you how broken I felt inside, even though I kept going back to it. I can't tell you how many times I asked for someone to pray for me that I would be delivered and nothing ever happened. And you know what was the real killer? It was, I'd be really upset and I'd say, I'm so sorry, Lord. I'll try harder tomorrow. How many people have ever said that with a vice in their life? Something that you've been battling or something that you're still battling with. I think some of you probably know how I feel with whatever you're going through. The problem is, no matter how many times we say, I'll try better tomorrow, I'll do a better job, I'll just try harder, it's never ever going to work, is it? And deep down we kind of know that, but we think we've kind of got no option, so we just kind of want to try. So many times I just wanted to end my life so that I would not be a filthy sinner. Do you know what I also did when I was seven years old? I gave my life to Jesus. So the biggest vice of my entire life was introduced to me and I gave my life to Jesus at the same time. So even though I experienced it and it became a terrible problem in my life, I was actually set free from it at the same time. I still have trouble wrapping my head around that one. But all through my life, I've always tried to please God. I've always tried, I've, I've never thought of, I'm, I'm, I'm free mentally, all these things. It's more a mind game than anything. I've always thought, okay, if I just try hard enough, if I just be holy enough, then this is all going to work and I can have breakthrough. I was doing exactly the opposite of what God always wanted me to do. In uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Which I think is a little bit audacious, given that Jesus hadn't actually died on the cross yet. He hadn't actually risen from the grave yet. So according to uh, our human timeline, he hadn't actually overcome the world, had he? But Jesus had the hide to say, I already have. I already have overcome the world because it has stretched from eternity. Now, people in the Old Testament didn't understand that. But today, we get to learn about it and we get to walk in it. We get to say, yes, I don't care what's going on in my life, Jesus. You have the victory, which means I have victory, which means I can actually be free of this. Not just spiritually speaking, but mentally speaking, physically speaking, whatever you're battling, you are free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, we're awake. When I adopted this thinking, when, when I started to believe and be thankful for these things that it says in here that I am, God started to really move in my life. He started to really do things the way no one else could have prayed for me, the way I, I could never have tried hard enough. God really started to move in my life when I just started believing this and being thankful. I, I, you know what I started doing? I started declaring the scriptures over my life, particular ones. I started declaring particular scriptures over my life and I was saying, thank you, Lord, that this has already happened. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some to you. Uh, there's Galatians 2.20. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Very powerful verse. There's, um, by the way, guys, if you are battling with something, 
I reckon hit up Galatians and Ephesians. It is full of wonderful truths that tell you who you are in Christ. Because before you know what you're supposed to be doing, it is better to know who we are. Because we must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then we will be able to test what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there is an order to these things. Um, Galatians chapter 5, 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Amen. The, the standard one that we often tend to hear, still one of my favorites, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free. But it was always the second part that got me. It was always the second part that I didn't really like because I didn't really understand it. It says, stand firm then and do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So here was me all these years looking at this verse that I kind of liked but kind of ticked me off at the same time. And I'm trying to stand firm and it's not working. In fact, I'm failing every single day to stand firm. This verse seemed like something that was so unattainable to me that I was just never, ever going to get it. And I felt like a colossal failure. Ephesians chapter 6. You know, sort of between verses 10 to 18. What does it talk about? It talks about the armor of God. Who's the armor of God talking about? The breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the boots of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. Come on, it's all about Jesus. We be clothed in Jesus. We stand firm in Jesus, not in our own strength. And the more we try and stand firm in our own strength, the more we're going to degrade and fail and be disappointed in ourselves. And we're going to have an idea of ourselves that we're not. We stand firm in Jesus and his strengths. That means we've got to understand the things he says about us, the truths, the, the things that he accomplished for us, and we've got to be thankful for those things. We've got to believe them. We've got to take it on board, even when we don't feel like it sometimes. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, it doesn't say this in John 14, 6, but you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, when it hits you in here, you experience freedom from whatever you're battling. Now, I want us to repeat 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but I don't want to say, I don't want you to say, but you are a chosen race. I want you to say, but I am a chosen race. I want you to declare this over yourself right now, okay? Ready? But but I am a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that I may proclaim the excellencies of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. This verse belongs to you. It is yours. Believe it. This is who we are. And this is what we are supposed to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, the reason I kind of talk about all that is because, well, we're not really going to be able to operate Lots in spiritual gifts if we don't really understand that we already have been set free of everything and that all the tools that God has given us are already ours. Sometimes we feel like we've got to work for them. When I was younger, my mum used to talk about Reinhard Bonnke and how he had such an amazing spirit of prayer that when he would pray, people in the meeting would feel the presence of God and start trembling and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, wow, 
I want a spirit of prayer. So I used to ask God all the time, Lord, give me a really powerful spirit of prayer where you would move and do amazing things. I just wanted to shortcut the whole process. See, Reinhard Bonnke didn't get there overnight. It probably took him a long time. He had to capture the heart of prayer. He had to capture the heart of God. He had to know God. He had to know the truths over his life and just how deep salvation goes. Salvation is such a simple thing. In fact, it's so simple that most of us miss it. But it is so deep and so rich and there is so much to learn in it. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That says that every blessing is already ours. If you've given your life to Jesus, every blessing in heaven is yours. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to try and get holy enough. You don't have to try and please God enough. You don't have to try and eliminate some of the vices or the terrible things in your life before God will bless you. It's already yours. We just got to trust God and be thankful for it. We got to believe it. We got to have faith in it. Because God rewards those who have faith in him and earnestly seek him. Hebrews 11 chapter 6. Chapter Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. <laughs> gotcha. Now, <clears throat> There is a difference between understanding that we have everything we need and then actually growing in those things. You don't get good at something that you unless you practice, do you? So quite often we're trying to earn tools off God as if he hasn't given them all to us already, but he's already given us the whole toolbox, the whole shed with everything we need. But if we don't learn to use the tools properly, then we're going to abuse them, aren't we? we're going to do silly things with them because we don't know how to use them. We don't know unless we practice. So, all of these blessings, chapter, chapter 1 verse 3 in Ephesians says that it's given to us in Christ. It's actually not given to us by the Holy Spirit in the, way that I'm, in the context that I'm talking. It's given in Christ. But the Holy Spirit is the helper. Is he not? That's what Jesus calls him. So he helps us, he leads us in doing these things. There's a difference between operating in spiritual gifts when the presence of God is around and then going away and doing it by yourself. We've had some nights here at youth group, I think I might have mentioned this before, where we have like workshops where we have spiritual uh, gifts night and kids uh, they prophesy, they give words of knowledge and wisdom and all this kind of stuff. And there are some non-Christians that come along and we say, hey, if, you know, if, if you're feeling bold enough, you can step out, you can do the same thing. And some of these non-Christian kids have prophesied and given words of knowledge and those words are bang on. And then those kids then give their lives to Jesus shortly after because they see the power of God. They see that Jesus is actually real and he's here and that he really did die for them. So it's not some false spirit talking because that wouldn't have led him to Jesus afterwards. And those words were bang on. See, even non-Christians can get it. So everyone in here can get it. But they were in a room where the anointing is all happening. 
The presence of God is there. Everybody's engaged. But then when you walk away and you're by yourself, what do you do? That's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. That's why they're called spiritual gifts. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. And in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit witnesses about Jesus. And that's the reason for spiritual gifts. It is to build people up, but also to bring people to Jesus, whether they know him or not. All right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. which is where we'll be spending pretty much the rest of our time. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. We're starting from verse 1. Now right there in verse 1, Paul's saying, I want you to be aware because I don't want you to misuse them. Because how many people know that if a spiritual gift is done wrong, you can really do damage to someone? It can really hurt. You can do damage to yourself. It can decrease faith instead of increase it if we misuse spiritual gifts. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So there's a little... There's a little something to think about when you see someone operating in spiritual gifts. If they're glorifying someone other than Jesus, or if they're just trying to make themselves look good, you could probably steer clear of them. So we need to have wisdom with these things. When we're dealing with it ourselves, we need to understand the purpose of spiritual gifts. And when we're dealing with other people that are operating in spiritual gifts, we need to have wisdom about these things. Who are spiritual gifts glorifying? Because God has given us all spiritual gifts, but who do we use them for? So, let's keep reading. Verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The gifts encourage people. And if you're about to operate in a spiritual gift and you don't think it's going to be encouraging, like if you're going to, if you think God is telling you to say something to someone that is really bad, you don't say that stuff because it's not going to be for common good, is it? Sometimes if that happens, like if, you know, you think, oh, okay, this is going on. Okay. Well, how are you going to build them up, Lord? You, you ask God questions. It's okay to ask God questions. Sometimes we think we get all the answer in one go. That's absolutely not true. God only gives us snippets because our brains are two pounds and God is infinite. So he needs to hand it to us in little pieces so that we can comprehend it and not get too far ahead of ourselves. It's okay to ask God questions. But it is for the common good. That is why we do these things. So if it's not going to encourage, if it's not going to edify someone, if it's not going to build them up, if it's not going to bring them closer to Jesus, if they're just going to walk away feeling dejected, you don't say it. All right. 
for the lost, this has evangelistic purpose. Like if someone doesn't know Jesus and you're going out on the street, you don't, by the Spirit of God, say, I can tell you're caught in sin. You've got problems in your life. You need Jesus. You're going to hell right now. God bless you. <laughs> it's not going to work, is it? But some people do that. Some people even call that a spiritual gift. Good on you, mate. And for the church, this has the purpose of edification. It has the purpose of unity. It brings us all together. It brings us closer to Jesus because that's who we keep our eye on because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And we come to appreciate one another. It's for the oneness in the church. It's for everyone to be on the same page because that is what a powerful congregation is. That, that is what a powerful body of Christ is, amen? A united body is a body that's going to move mountains. Okay. Steve brought up a table last week. I'm going to bring up this table. Can you all see that? Ah, that took me a little while. Okay. Let's, uh, I'm just going to keep that up there for a while. So if you're taking notes, don't panic. I'm not going to change it in two minutes. Let's, uh, let's go through some of these, eh? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop on everyone either. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to, you know what, actually I'm gonna stop right there. So many of us in here have operated in a spiritual gift and we haven't even realized it. Because we, like, if it freaks you out, we don't even need to call it spiritual gifts. If you don't want, if it freaks you out, just call it the leading of the Spirit. Sometimes we're just led by the Spirit and we get to learn to say things. Uh, how many people here have ever, you're in a conversation and someone's asked you a question and you've never, you've never answered this before. You've never even looked it up before. You've never researched it, but you just give them this bang on answer and you don't even know where it came from. And you're like, you know, outside you're really calm and collected, knowledgeable, and you're like, mm, yes, so that's, that's why. And the other person goes, wow, that is really amazing. And you're like, yes. But inside you're going, wow, and you're getting up out of your chair saying, God, this is really amazing stuff. Where did this come from? Has anyone ever done that before? Do you know what I'm saying? That happens sometimes. That's the spiritual gift of wisdom. You've probably operated in it, and you haven't even realized it. So don't panic. We don't need to put some big stigma around spiritual gifts. Hey, you've probably already done it. You just don't understand that you've done it. So next time when you're going out, or any time really, just say, Lord, uh, lead me. That's it. People don't even need to know that you're operating in spiritual gifts when you're talking to them. You don't need to say, I feel like this is going on in your life or something. You can ask them questions, and if they say, yeah, that is going on. You just go, hmm, okay. But then in your heart, you're realizing, hey, it was right. God actually spoke to me. Our biggest fear is that, hey, our biggest fear is that we think maybe God isn't really speaking to me. Maybe I'm speaking to myself and I'm going to say something outrageous and this person's going to look at me like I'm the biggest tool in the entire world. Have we ever thought that before? I've thought that before. People have thought that about me before too, but not when I'm operating in spiritual gifts. <clears throat> Moving on. Hallelujah. 
to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. I spoke about faith uh, at the beginning of my message. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Something else to know about spiritual gifts is sometimes we try and pin one down and you're like, what did I just operate in? Was that prophecy or something like that? They quite often overlap with each other. Sometimes you move in one and then during the same sentence you might start moving in another one. So sometimes we move in a word of knowledge. Okay, this is happening. And then you might suddenly start moving in prophecy. This is going to happen. And then you might go back to knowledge. Then you might declare something in faith. Then you might have a word of wisdom. I mean, I'm trying to make it more complicated, but really it's just the leading of the Spirit. Sometimes we move in and out and we don't really know, you know what to call it, but that's okay. Sometimes, sometimes they mix with each other. Just don't, you know, mix in some and then say, oh, I'm moving really powerfully in just this one. No. God is building you in all of them. And if you ask God to build you in them and to train you, he will do it. He is faithful. He's not going to give you something absolutely outrageous to do when you've never even done it before. Faith is a muscle. It grows little bit by little bit. Amen? Hallelujah. So we need to keep practicing. Practice, practice, practice makes perfect. The more we practice, the better we get at it. And the more questions we ask God, the more detailed and accurate we can get. You don't need to try and get super detailed and super accurate straight away if you're just starting out on this journey. And you're probably thinking back right now at some of the times in your life when you've done this and you haven't even realized. So if it freaks you out a little bit, that's okay. Let your faith grow incrementally. But you don't need to start off by saying, okay, is it okay if I prophesy over your life if you've never prophesied over someone before or you've never done it knowing that you've actually done it? Just say, you know what, I can, I can see you doing this. Does that, does that make sense to you? Like, have you ever thought about that? And they're like, well, I have actually. Well, guess what? God is speaking to you. God speaks to us all the time. All right, we're going to move on. If you're writing notes, I hope you've written most of that down. I think the two minutes is up. Can you read that? That's pretty small. Okay, I'm reading a lot in this chapter. I don't apologize. All right, we'll read up to verse 21. For just as the body is one and has many members... Now, by the way, guys, this is how not to operate in spiritual gifts. This is the kind of heart not to have. See, everything we're talking about this month, is it's kind of like we don't want to get too deep into things. It's more of like a, an introductory course or you know, a, a generalization. We'll go into this deeper next year. But 
One of the biggest things I want us to understand today is, is the heart behind doing it. Because if we don't have the right heart behind doing it, we're not going to be able to do it properly anyway. Even if we get really skilled at it, we're not going to do it properly because we're going to do it wrongly. Okay? So, this is how not to do it. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If, yes, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I might, uh, there you go, guys. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. I want to talk about comparison for a second. And when I say second, I mean uh, like 10 minutes or something. I want to talk about this for a little bit. Comparison is a terrible thing, and it has two stages. Inadequacy and self-sufficiency. It's like two opposite ends of the spectrum. And when we walk in the inadequate side of comparison long enough, eventually we get to the perceived self-sufficient side where we think we're good enough. So, inadequacy. If an ear disqualifies itself because it is not an eye, then it is too busy focusing on the amazing function of the eye and therefore devalues itself. You hear what I'm saying? If you're watching someone who's operating in a spiritual gift or, or serving in the church in, in anything, in a motivational gift, in a spiritual gift, whatever, and you're saying, Wow, I want to be just like that person. And, and you start to feel a little bit insecure because of that person, because they're kicking goals and you're not. Well, there's a problem. Comparison says, you're better than me. And you know what? This misses the point of Jesus because we focus on someone else to aspire to be like. But we are called to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12. Comparison and conformity are intimately linked. Whatever you compare yourself to, you're going to try and conform yourself to it, be it a person or a thing or God. And if we're not conforming to Christ, then we're conforming to someone else. So if you're trying to conform to someone else in the church because they're doing amazing things and you're not, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Comparison, in a nutshell, is idolatry. I've been guilty of comparing myself to other people. Because we look at the amazing things that they're doing, and we compare it with the not-so-amazing things that we're doing. Then when we walk in that long enough, maybe a couple of years go by and we're always comparing, and, and we are sort of growing in our gifts, but we're not keeping our eyes on Jesus... We're, we're still in the business of comparing. We sort of get to this stage where we think we've made it, where we think we're good enough. 
even though the, there's still all those little voices in our head that think, oh, well, you're always making mistakes. But we, we get to this stage where we think we're better than everyone else. And then we start to look at them and they think, they need to be like me. They need to do it the way I do it. And what tends to happen when people do that? Like if they get into a position of leadership and all the people that are, for lack of a better way of saying it, under them, those people get shut down in their gifts because you're trying to put them into a mold to be like you. But they're not called to be like you because they're not you. And so what ends up happening is we end up having a church that is built upon tradition and just doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. And there's never any change. And do you know what happens to a traditional church? The world changes out there. There's different issues that are going on. But we stay the same in here and we address the same issues time and time again. And we do things the same. And we have no idea how to relate to the unsaved person. How on earth is that church going to grow? How on earth is God going to move in the community when we just want to stay the same and fit everyone into a little box? Spiritual gifts... Yes, they're functions, but they're not all meant to look the same. I'm not going to do it the same way you're going to do it. You're not going to do it the same way you're going to do it because you're different people and you've got different motivational gifts. I might be able to mentor you in how to, in, uh, you know, their, their function and what they accomplish, but I can't mentor you in your style. Your style is unique to you. And if you're trying to adopt my style, then you are devaluing yourself and the person that Christ made you to be. Are you hearing me? All right. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. Comparison is idolatry. That's my main point there. But I'm still going to talk about this for a little bit. Is that? Yes. Hallelujah. I'm organized. Let's move on. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Everybody say, I am indispensable. I am indispensable. It's so sad when I see a person in a role that they think is not important and they feel dejected, they feel down and like they're not really contributing. No, you're indispensable. You're serving, you're blessing. And you know what? God is also blessing you and teaching you. You can't lose. It doesn't matter what you do, you can't lose. If you're serving God, you can't lose. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Whew. That word is for someone in here. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. If I am going to look down on someone and say, you need to be like me, I'm not honoring who God made them to be. And there's not going to be unity in the church. Amen? I am meant to honor that person by saying, you are not made to be like me. Hallelujah. You are made to be completely different. Even though we might operate in some of the same functions, 
We're not meant to look the same while we're doing it. And God is going to bless this person and use this person to bless other people because that person is free to be themselves and who Christ made them to be because they're having an increasing understanding of their relationship with Christ and that their position is victory. They don't work for victory. They already have it. You already have victory in Christ over everything that's going on in your life. Everything that makes you upset, everything that is burdening you, you already have victory over. Amen. When we do away with comparison, we will see each other flourish. We are abolishing our inaccurate opinions and we are comparing others to Christ instead of to ourselves. Now, we often think that comparing ourselves to others is just foolish because it makes us feel bad. Well, that is true. It is foolish because of that reason, but it's foolish because of this reason. It's an inaccurate method of judgment. The only person we should be looking at is Jesus. Because we're made to be like him. We're not made to be like other people. So we compare ourselves to Christ, not so that we can look at all the faults in ourselves, but for edification and growth. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now we are the body of Christ. All of us, collectively, as a whole, and individually, we serve. Individually, we do our different things. Individually, we all have functions and we operate in them according to our style. And the only way you're going to develop that style is by being yourself. And the only way you're going to be yourself is by looking at Jesus. Someone else can mentor you. Someone else can teach you in something, but they can't teach you your style. You've got to learn that on your own with Jesus. So... We all have a part to play. We're all given gifts. Something that I think everybody should do is we should imagine ourselves in situations where we're using them. Like maybe we're praying for someone on the street or we're prophesying over someone. Use your imagination because it is so powerful. Do you know what imagination does? It creates desire. So let's imagine ourselves in those situations and say, Lord, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. Guess what? God is going to honor you. He's going to give you the desires of your heart. You can read that in Psalm 37. When you put the Lord first, he gives you the desires of your heart. So let's imagine ourselves in these situations and let's desire it. Let's want to do it. Let's not just want to be comfortable. I don't like that word comfortable. We should want to be the exact opposite because that's where God has called us to be because faith is not comfortable. But it is the certainty of what is not seen. Amen? Let's practice the gifts and practice a right heart. Let's build each other and hold each other accountable in a good way. It means encourage each other. How you doing? For all this to be possible, let's be thankful and trust in the eternal truth that Jesus Christ has set us free and already equipped us from beyond eternity whether we feel like it or not, whether we feel like we're in prison or not, Jesus has set us free. So let's be thankful for that and let's speak it over ourselves every day of our lives. If you don't feel like you're free, find some scriptures that tell you you're free, write them down and tell them yourself every day. Read them out every day and say, God, help me to believe this. 
I want to trust in you above myself. Guess what? God is going to start moving in your life. We already have victory, and this is the mindset that will enable us to walk and live as victors. Can we please stand? We're going to pray. Let's close our eyes. Father, we go through many things in our lives. We all battle something. There's always things that come against us because the devil is a a, a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. But Lord, you have called us to resist him. You have called us to stand firm, not in our strength, but in yours, in you, Jesus. We are covered by the blood of the Lamb. We are set free. We are washed white as snow. And all the things, all the lies that the enemy would use to attack us, you're this, you're that, you're nothing, you're worthless, you're a mistake. Father, you planned us. You formed us when we were in our mother's womb. You planned us before the foundations of creation. You have called us to be like Christ. We are made in the image of God. Help us to understand this wonderful truth that Jesus died and rose again and set me free and to live as a person in freedom. Lord, reveal this to us more and more. Help us to understand who we are before we understand what we're supposed to do. But Lord, as you are teaching us who we are, May we learn to walk in what we are to do. Help us to understand ourselves. Help us to operate in spiritual gifts. Help us to practice. Help us to act on faith. Help us to minister into people's lives. Lord, encourage us. Teach us how. Give us, give us opportunities each day. Help us to encourage one another. Lord, I pray for every single member here. I pray that we would all uh, become more and more unified, that we would grow together, that we would look out for one another above ourselves, that we would love one another above ourselves, that we would put each other first instead of ourselves. Holy Spirit, that you would do amazing things in this place. Jesus, that you would shine your light through us that we might be ministers to each other, family members who care for each other and ministers into this community. Fathers and mothers that would bring people into the kingdom, not just for salvations, God, but to make disciples that would change this, this earth. We are so thankful of everything that you've done, everything that you've given us. It's not just for us, God. We are to give and to bless. Let us not be selfish with what you've given us. Let us not be content with where we are right now. May we only be content moving forward in the things of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you and we pray all these things in your wonderful name. Amen. God bless.